We are at the corner of uh, Blackburn State, the Constitution Day Parade. On this beautiful, sunny, windy day in the windy city. I'm glad it's not raining. It's only windy and cold. <laughs> Every spring, thousands of people gather in downtown Chicago for the Constitution Day Parade to celebrate the ratification of Poland's Constitution back in 1791. This year it was a smaller live-streamed event, but no matter how or where it's held, it's a day for Chicago's large Polish population to show some pride. This is like Christmas, to be perfectly honest, just to be part of this. It feels a little warm in my tummy. <laughs> it's just so nice to see so many Polish people gathered together here in uh, downtown Chicago. Hundreds of floats roll down State Street, representing Polish clubs, Polish schools, Polish churches, and local Polish businesses. Brass bands play Polish songs, and folk dancers leap and spin down the street. And just about everything and everyone has got on Poland's national colors. This is so unusual to see so many red and white dressed people in, the, in one spot. Everybody comes together and they celebrate what, what's why we came here basically, like the origin, the immigration. Of course, because we are together showing how important it is to have Polish roots. Polska! I'm Curious City producer Jason Mark, and on this week's episode, we're going to revisit a special documentary producer Jesse Dukes put together for Radio Poland, answering several questions about Chicago's Polish community. Mainly, what makes Chicago so Polish? He'll cover the history of Polish immigration to Chicago and, of course, will address a popular belief that you may have heard. This is the biggest community outside of Warsaw. There are more Polish Americans here in Chicago than any place else in the world except Warsaw. Second capital of Poland, Warsaw and Chicago. Well, we'll see about that. In the meantime, grab a pierogi and settle in, because we're diving deep into Polish Chicago next. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Let's start with a big question we got from a listener. Why did so many Poles come here to Chicago? And why did so many stay? To answer this one, I talked to Chicago historian Dominic Pesiga, a Polish-American himself. I also asked Polish immigrants to share their stories of coming to Chicago. You'll hear excerpts of those interviews, and you'll hear Pesiga explain how those personal accounts fit into this larger story of Poles in Chicago. To set the scene, you need to know that while Poland is its own country now, for a lot of its history, Poland has been occupied by neighboring countries. In the 1800s, Poles were oppressed as ethnic minorities in their own homeland, and many were not allowed to travel. By 1860, Polish peasants had gained the freedom to migrate from their respective countries. So in the 1860s, huge numbers of Poles began to leave, searching for work and new opportunities. Pasiga says at that same time, Chicago was growing faster than any American city. 
Chicago was many different things in the 19th century. It was sort of the Cupertino of the uh, 19th century. Mm-hmm. This is where people came with ideas and uh, tried technology out. And, Silicon you know, Valley. Yeah. In 1848, the railroads ran out to Oak Park. By 1851, uh, they were the center of the railroad industry. And this, of course, created thousands, hundreds of thousands of jobs and brought millions of people eventually to these shores, especially to Chicago. You had the stockyards here, you had the the tanneries, you had steel mills. Uh, Tremendous industrial growth in the 19th century just attracted people into low-paying, unskilled positions for the most part, but enough to put some money on a side and send it either back to Poland or to invest it here. Uh, Then you have the chain migration issue. You send for your cousin, you send for your girlfriend, you send for your wife, you send for your mother, you bring them in as sort of a chain of connectedness. Sophie and Walter Kotolowski were part of that chain. They came to Chicago with their mother in 1912. Their dad had been working in the stockyards for years, saving up enough money to bring them over. When they got here, they hopped on a wagon and rode to meet their dad at his boarding house. They recounted that day for the 1976 documentary called City of the Big Shoulders. It it seemed like it took forever from downtown to 43rd Ashland. And as the wagon pulled, you know, the horse pulled and the kids out on the street started howling, Greenhorns! 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 My father was in bed when we got there. He used to sleep in shifts. Those that worked days slept at night. Those that worked nights slept days. And the quilt he had was so holy, he was all tangled up in it. Do you remember that, Walter? Yeah, I remember. I was disappointed. Because I uh, uh, picture myself, America, as a cowboys and Indians, <laughs> like they show in our country in the magazine. When I see that, when I come here around the stockyards here, so I was disappointed. Pasiga says Polish migrants like the Katalowskis spread across Chicago and began settling in. There were Polish Jews in synagogues and a small number of Polish Protestants, but the main anchors for the Polish community were the Catholic parishes, which formed all over the city. There are basically five major Polish neighborhoods. Uh, The northwest side is the oldest uh, in the area uh, that we now call Wicker Park, but we often used to call Stanisławowo, which is the parish of St. Stanislaus Koska. And then there was the 17th and Ashland in the Pilsen area. This was the Wojciechowa, the St. Adelbert's parish. Around the stockyards, there were actually uh, six Polish parishes. And by the 1920s, there were 60 Polish churches in the city of Chicago. So that first economic migration really got Chicago's Polish population started. And that's a big part of answering our question about why Chicago has so many Poles. But that migration ended in 1924, when the U.S. government restricted immigration from Eastern Europe. Chicago's Polish population was periodically bolstered by other migrations after that. And the next one began in the late 1940s at the end of World War II, the so-called displaced persons migration. Well, of course, the war devastated Poland. About 25% of its population was killed. 
Many Poles were moved into Germany uh, to work in labor camps. They were slaves, basically, to the, uh, the Reich. Mm. Uh, and these people had no place to go. So uh, the United States opened its gates, and, uh, and I think about 450,000 Poles came to the United States. Many of them ended up in Chicago. They knew they had a cousin someplace on Milwaukee Avenue or Archer Avenue or uh, along 26th Street. Uh, and so they came to uh, Chicago, and these displaced people uh, rejuvenated in many ways uh, of Polish institutions. So this is an excerpt of an interview I did with John Guslowski, mm-hmm. Polish-American poet from Chicago, no longer lives here. His family came to the U.S. in 1951. He was born in a displaced persons camp, mm-hmm. I believe in Germany. So he's telling a story about how his family was able to come to the United States in the first place and, and where they ended up. My parents' passage was paid for by an Italian-American farmer from outside of Buffalo who agreed to have my entire family come over, my mother, my father, my sister, and me, uh, to come over and work on his farm for a year in exchange for passage over. The entire family had to work on this farm, including my sister, who was five years old, and me, I was three years old. We were picking strawberries for this farmer in the spring. I said to my mother, Mom, I want to go back to the refugee camps in, in Germany because the work in Germany was not as hard as the work here in America. And my mother said, you know, shut up. My mother had grown up a farm girl. My dad had done agricultural work when he was in the concentration camp. He wanted to live in a city. He wanted to have a factory job. He thought it would just be easier if he were living in a city. And um, so we, we came to Chicago. Yeah, I think that this story is pretty typical. People were trying to get here any which way they could, but the reaction of the father is interesting because you would think he was a farmer. He would have loved doing this, right? But farm work is very, very difficult. So you come to Chicago and you can do something else. You work eight hours a day and you go home, you eat, you watch television, you relax a little bit, uh, you, you have Sundays and Saturdays off. It's a better deal. And, and that's what Chicago represented to most Poles uh, in each one of the migrations, a better deal. When we came to America, everything was in a wooden trunk my father built in, uh, in Germany. Everything we owned was in that trunk. We had like four goose down pillows. We had a frying pan, a crucifix made from Polish wood. We had letters that my, my mother had received in the refugee camp, we had some prayer books. And pretty much that was it. And, you know, it's to me it seems incredible, but my father was working double shifts at a factory, and my mother was working single shifts at a factory, and they were making money. Within three years, they bought a five-unit apartment house. And they were renting out, were they renting out those? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They would rent out, the, they would rent out these places, and they were really were happy to be doing this because in you know in, they come from Poland, and in Poland, you know the people with status, the people with honor, the people with uh, reputation were the people who owned property, and they they wanted to be landowners. Buy a chunk of land, buy a house, make sure it's a two or three flat. You can rent it out. They pay your mortgage off. You could rent it out to the Rodatsa. That's somebody that you know from your own village or your own relative of one kind or another. 
This is the chain. This is the web that is created in this community. And this is an excellent uh, example of that. That couldn't have been everybody, though, right? There were probably some people who just did their eight-hour job and came home and drank the beer and watched the TV and w- sure, were absolutely. content paying rent. <laughs> absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, somebody's renting those three apartments. The way we were perceived, we were perceived as being maybe lawless and uh, lazy and drinking too much and and uh, a lot of that other stuff. And you were poor. And we were poor, yeah. We were desperate to, uh, to make some kind of money. And uh, there were times when I would encounter kids who would look down on us because we, our parents spoke Polish, because we looked funny, uh, we dressed funny. There seemed to be tension between the post-war generation and the generation that came, the Stare uh, Immigratia, the old immigration it was called. My father, who had a tremendous sense of humor, he used to refer to the older generation as uh, Varshaviaki, people from Warsaw. He was a farm boy from a small town, and he, he saw the people who had come over earlier as sort of putting on airs, as if they were from the big city, from Warsaw. And so he would call them the Varshaviaki. And he saw them as people who didn't want to recognize us as being in, in some way countrymen. He feels that they saw us as being somehow inferior to them. Yeah. I, once again, I think this is pretty typical. Now, one should point out that in every immigration, there are generations of immigrations, different waves. So this newer wave, the dis- displaced persons wave or DP wave after 1945, is coming head on uh, with this other group. And there's not a lot of trust between the two. Mm-hmm. And the older leadership is looking down at them and saying, you know, in a sort of paternalistic way, well, we're going to teach you about America. But this younger generation, as this post-1945 generation, says, well, you don't speak Polish very well. We speak Polish better than you do. Hmm. So there's these cracks in, the, uh, in, in ethnicity. And this happens, by the way, in the Mexican community, happens in the Irish community, happens in the black community. The newer, older migrants say, well, wait a minute. You don't know what it's like to be a Chicagoan. I'll teach you. And the younger generation says, I don't need you to teach me anything. And so there's this, this conflict constant. So the whole question is, what is Polish? What, what, is, what does it mean to be Polish? Okay, let's flash forward 30 years. The next big migration of Poles to Chicago came in the 1980s, when dock workers in Gdańsk went on strike and touched off the Solidarity Movement. It started as an effort for better working conditions and wages in the docks. But it grew into a nationwide protest against the Soviet-controlled Polish government. The government cracked down on anybody involved with Solidarity. They have answered the stirrings of liberty with brute force, killings, mass arrests, and the setting up of concentration camps. Thousands of Poles left the country as political or economic refugees. I spoke to Kasia McCormick, maiden name Kasia Krinsky. She left Poland when she was 18 months old. Her father had been involved with Solidarity, they got the word the crackdown was coming, and they left in the middle of the night and eventually ended up in a refugee camp in Austria. And the first three months that they took us in, they tell you about all these different countries you could go to, like Australia and you know England and Denmark and South Africa. And there were a lot of perks in different places. Australia had a lot of perks for people coming there. I, my mom said that in Denmark, if you had two kids, like they had to give you the same standard of living as every other Danish person that had two kids. So you knew you were already going to have a nice house, you know, a nice setup. 
And America didn't give you anything, just the visa. And my father, though, had been to America a couple of years before for a year. He worked and he had made a lot of money, but he knew already that Chicago was a place that he was going to do well in. He was like, I already knew that nothing was stopping me in Chicago. There's no communists. There's no this. There's no that. I knew that if you worked hard enough, you were going to make it. It's interesting. I mean, you know, you, you have welfare states like in Denmark. Yeah, uh, I mean, that uh, sounds pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty good to me, offering various kinds of yeah. uh, uh, perks. But this guy's been to Chicago. He's had a taste of it. He knows in Chicago that there's a Polonia here. There's a church here. Uh, there are taverns here. There are people here who will talk to him in Polish, people who will say, I'll get you the job around the corner. They need somebody. This web, this chain of migration continues. It can help them get uh, a footing in the society. I want to play you actually one more piece of tape. So this is um, Joseph Pogoshelski, who he came a few years before Solidarity. Strikes had begun, yeah. but he was also a political refugee. Mm-hmm. He worked for um, a little bit in Chicago, but then he got another job in San Francisco, and he thought he would try that out. Then he had a few days vacation, so he came back to Chicago. It was Christmas coming. When I come back uh, for Christmas to Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like midnight mass and uh, to church and all people, I said, outside the Poland... I can uh, live only in Chicago. I can travel. I can go everywhere. But like I was walking from my uh, from where I live and was like a little bit snow and uh, uh, reminding completely like when I was in Poland. Well, this is, you know, Chicago's home. It's Poland elsewhere. People can lay their roots down here. So here's Mr. Pokoszewski's going off to San Francisco. It's nice in San Francisco. I've been to San Francisco. It's warm. But this is home. And it reminds him of Poland. The snow, the people, the stores. Hmm. So you have this, this connection that makes Chicago home. And, and that's very important for most people. So Chicago was home to tens of thousands of people from Poland or with Polish ancestry. But how Polish is it? Jesse explores that question after this. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. It's hard to put into words how Polish Chicago really is. But during my conversation with Kasia McCormick, I heard something that captures it pretty well. Here, I'll, I'll just play the tape for you. My parents own a business where they import beautiful products from Poland yeah. called Domai TP. And, um, you know, everything ranging from ornaments to clothes. And he has a weekly talk show on the Polish radio. So they never had to really learn English because their livelihood was based on the Polish community in Chicago. They began importing things for the Polish community, actually, like seeds that they didn't have at home. 
you know, everything ranging from ornaments to clothes or um, electric potato graters to make potato pancakes. I think we're one of the only places in the States that actually carry that. It's just a big electric, you know, kitchen appliance. But if you ever grated potatoes by hand, you would probably look for an electric potato grater as well your second time because it's so much work. First of all, I don't make a whole lot of potato pancakes, but I still want one of those things. And second, if one of your best-selling items is an electric potato grater, you have to be in a pretty Polish city. A superlatively Polish city. Perhaps the most Polish city? See, Chicagoans like to brag, and one of the things we like to brag about is the size of our Polish population. Remember these guys? This is the biggest community outside of Warsaw. There are more Polish Americans here in Chicago than any place else in the world except Warsaw. Second capital of Poland, Warsaw and Chicago. But should we really brag about it as much as we do? That is exactly what listener Todd Leiter Weintraub wanted to know. It was something my father told me. He is a smart guy, but he likes to remind you of that every now and then. He's <laughs> like, yeah. You know, Todd, uh, Chicago has the largest Polish population outside of Warsaw. I bet you didn't know that. Oh, yes, Dad, I did, because you told me about six or seven other times. Okay, to clarify, Todd says his dad means Chicago the city, not the Chicago metro. And he's including anybody of Polish ancestry. And, to simplify things, there are a couple of other big cities in Poland that probably would knock Chicago out of the running. So let's reframe Todd's question as, is Chicago the largest Polish city outside of Poland? To tackle this question, I poured over Chicago's Polish ancestry demographics and looked at what other cities, European and American, might compete with Chicago and why. And guess what? While demographers tend to know their local Polish population, nobody seemed to know the exact answer to the big picture right now. Here's what historian Dominic Pesiga has to say. I think that was basically true until uh, maybe 20 years ago or something like that. Poles have become mostly suburban, and uh, that has really declined the Polish population and split it up quite a bit. So it uh, depends on how you define Chicago. If you define Chicago land, well, then you might have an argument. But back in 2017, when we first reported this story, London had actually eclipsed both New York and Chicago. Richard Butterwick Pawlikowski, a third-generation Polish Briton and a history professor at University College London, explained that in 2004, the United Kingdom opened up its borders to the EU and hundreds of thousands of Poles migrated to England, where they had a pretty easy time finding jobs. If you're a British employer and you've got the choice between an educated, polite immigrant from Poland with really quite good English uh, and a great work ethic and a local born person who is unqualified, unwilling, unable to treat customers properly, then it's a no brainer. You're going to go for the immigrant. But today the numbers are in flux. The UK left the EU in 2020 with their Brexit vote, and Pawlikowski says Brexit, along with the pandemic's effect on jobs, has led to far more polls leaving London than arriving. And actually, even without London, there's another city that's giving Chicago competition. You're not gonna like this, but back in 2007, there were a slew of newspaper stories about how New York 
had just eclipsed Chicago in its Polish ancestry population. I know, and it gets worse. Those newspapers were wrong. New York didn't pass Chicago in 2007. If you look at the census data, Chicago has been number two to New York as far back as the data goes. I want to be fair to Chicago here. New York City is three times the size of Chicago. This is Joseph Salvo, formerly the demographer at New York's Department of City Planning. The numbers overwhelm everything, so it's really not, it's kind of not fair. Salvo points out that the Polish population in New York is more spread out and less visible than in Chicago. And New York's Polish population is religiously diverse, so we're counting Polish Jews as well as Catholics. On the other hand... The Polish Catholic population in Chicago is actually quite legendary in some ways, right? Yeah, well, we'll try not to feel too bad about the raw numbers part of it. <laughs> Jeez. I know. How could questioner Todd Leiter Weintraub's dad have been so wrong? And he's not alone. You hear this number one Polish city thing all the time in Chicago. There are many urban myths about who we are and, and the nature of our populations. Rob Perrell, Chicago-based demographer. You love the legend and you love the uh, identification that comes along with uh, saying that we're Polish, but uh, unfortunately, uh, the numbers don't always stack up that way. And Perrell says that doesn't mean Polish Americans didn't shape Chicago. The Polish immigrants to Chicago were very working class, uh, kind of a, a population that made you feel that was very authentic. Uh, Mike Ditka used to say that the Chicago Bears were a Grabowski team. Mike Ditka, the legendary football coach. It was his way of saying, we're, we don't finesse things, we're not fancy, we're just kind of tough and we, we get the job done. We get the job done. Chicago was always uh, uh, kind of proud of that and sort of reveled in it. Yeah. So even if New York or London might have bigger numbers, we still have a lot to brag about when it comes to how Polish this city is. Because it's not just about the numbers. The Polish population here has made its mark. We have Polish TV and Polish radio, Polish diners and nightclubs, a respected Polish history museum, and a Polish yacht club. It's still there. And the Chicago Archdiocese lists 45 churches that regularly do mass in Polish on its website. There are even thriving businesses that import Polish clothing, Polish glassware, Polish china, and, of course, Polish electric potato graters. So, Todd Leiter Weintraub, maybe your dad was half right. Chicago might not be the biggest Polish city outside of Warsaw, but we've got a Polish feel here that's hard to match. So New York, London, put that kielbasa in your smoker. So many different communities make up this city, and check this out, we're heading to one of them this weekend for an event. A few weeks ago, we did an episode about the Pilsen neighborhood, where we looked at everything from the history of Juarez High School to the stories behind Pilsen's fabulous murals, and we focused on a set of murals known as the Loteria Doors, painted doors inspired by the game called Loteria. So this Saturday, November 13th, we're hosting a live in-person Curious City event inspired by that episode. You'll learn more about the door paintings, the history of mural making in Pilsen, and you can join us for a game of Loteria with a chance to win prizes. That's this Saturday, November 13th from 3 to 5 at the National Museum of Mexican Art. It's bilingual, 
and it's free. But you must be vaccinated to attend and you need to register. So go to wbez.org slash events and we'll see you Saturday. Reporting for this episode came from Jesse Dukes with production by Stephen Jackson and me, Jason Mark. The rest of the Curious City team includes Joe Dassault, Maggie Sivett, Alexandra Solomon, and our intern, Sophia Lowe. Special thanks to Dan Pogacheski of Chicago and Dominic Basiga, Professor Emeritus of History at Columbia College Chicago, whose most recent book just happens to be American Warsaw, The Rise, Fall, and Rebirth of Polish Chicago. Curious City is supported by the Conan Family Foundation. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.